So how did Anne Sutherland Harris, the great art historian of the Renaissance, meet Diane Burko? It all happened in 1972. I went to my first college art association conference when I just started teaching at Community College of Philadelphia. And it was very exciting for me, a very heady experience. I had wonderful speakers. One was uh, Louise Nevelson, who I ran up to after and said, oh, Louise, and she kissed me, and I never thought I'd you know, wipe my cheek again. And then there was a lot of hubbub about women and, and uh, what was going on with the board, and I'm just sort of learning and listening. And I found myself in a very small hotel room, brimming with women, all art historians, all angry about the board of the College Art Association, which only had men except for one woman. And this lady over here was one of their leaders. And at that meeting, the College Women's Caucus for Art was formed, born, and you were the first president. So that's how I met you. And then I met you again because of focus, which um, Roy spoke about. And I brought these two little things. This little flyer was designed by someone at Moore College of Art. Uh, Libby Lovett. Someone might know the history. She taught graphic design here. Another more person was Frieda Fehrenbacher, who unfortunately is passed. She was the publicity person on our committee. Our committee was made up of young women in their 20s, really all cutting our teeth on activism. Uh, Judy Stein was part of it, Penny Bach. Um, I'm going to forget all the names now. Arlene Olshin. We had a really big group, and we met here at Moore College of Arts Library, I'd say at least every other week for a year to get this event or series of events started. And it was basically three to four months of events all focusing on women in the visual arts, and it was everywhere. It was so everywhere that a male artist sued me because he had no opportunity to show <laughs> That's another story. But anyway, we were last night talking over dinner, and I found this, also designed by Libby, this brochure of our big national show. And this was a show, it was an invitational. The people who were the jurors were Adeline Breeskin, Anne Darnacourt, Lila Katzen, Cindy Nemzer, and Marsha Tucker. And we were looking at the list. This morning, I made sure that Alice was on it, and she was. But it's just unbelievable that this, this group is so prescient in terms of the history of women today. Pat Adams, uh, I'm just going to go through a few of them that I know you know, Edna Andrade, Eleanor Anton, uh, Isabel Bishop, Nell Blaine, Louise Bourgeois, uh, Cynthia Carlson, who was from here, Barbara Chase Rabot, Elaine de Kooning, Marsha Marcus, Pat Lash, Lee Krasner, Joyce Kosloff, Lila Kassin. You think of a, an important women artist tonight bet my bottom dollar they might be in this show that was at the convention center. And what made this show so famous was the infamy always. Judith Bernstein was juried for this show. You might know Judith Bernstein's work. It's very phallic. Uh, now it's vaginal as well. But at the time, she had this black screw. And the director of the convention center censored it out of the show. It hit the New York Times, Art in America. It was great. And we wore buttons that said, where's Judith Bernstein? Mm -hmm. So that was Focus in a nutshell. There's a wonderful um, chapter devoted to the whole history that Bob Cozzolino wrote in his catalog 
um, for the show that Lee, Lee Alter's collection at PAFA. So I'm going to stop talking about focus and really turn it over to Anne because when, when Roy asked me to speak, he said, talk about focus and talk about Alice. I said, hey, you know, I met her twice. Really what I know about Alice are the anecdotes, the famous one of her peeing on the steps of the Corcoran and other stories like that. But I knew people who she had painted, uh, David Boudin, John Peralt, and I knew Anne. So I said to Roy, why don't you bring Anne down? I'd love to see her. Um, she's only in Pittsburgh. So here she is, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you. This, this really is, it is, yes, it is making a sound. OK. Um, I'm, I'm sort of pausing for a minute here, because once you press the Alice Neal button, what do you know about Alice Neal? <laughs> I could talk for an hour. And I think I've got, what, 15 minutes? He's going to tell us. Yeah. yeah. OK. I met her for the first time at the opening of an exhibition of which I was the co-curator called Women Artists 1550 to 1950, which happened in 1976-77. And it was at the Brooklyn Museum. It started off at the Los Angeles County Museum, then went to Austin, Texas, and it then went to Pittsburgh, and then came to Brooklyn. And of course, I was at the opening in Los Angeles, and uh, Texas invited me down, but I was about to give birth to my son, and I didn't want him to be born in Texas. <laughs> 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 so we turned the, uh, down the invitation. Um, I was not, or Linda Nocklin was my co-curator. Co she did all the 19th and 20th century, and I did the earlier things. And um, Pittsburgh did not invite us to the opening. So, all right, that's fine, you know. I don't want to go to Pittsburgh anyway. There you go. <laughs> and then the Brooklyn opening, by then I had a job at the Metropolitan Museum. I was chair or chairwoman for uh, academic affairs, which could have a double entendre. Um, uh, and um, I, w I actually was driven to the exhibition by the then director, Philippe de Montebello, and drove me over. And it was a huge, big opening. Um, it, I think it was the biggest opening of any they'd had to date. It was gigantic turnout, except for some previous exhibition that had the word gold in the title. Apparently, if you put the <laughs> word gold in the title of an exhibition, you always get a crowd. So um, anyway, at the opening in Los Angeles, um, I met Alice Neal, and she was standing next to her painting, which is called T.B. Harlem. Some of you may know the work. It's now in the Women's Museum in Washington, which I had a little something to do with as well, but that's another story. Um, and I've learned since that if you have a mixed exhibition and the artists, artists will go and stand next to their work because then they will hear what you're saying about them. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. So Alice Neal introduced herself to me. I think her Nancy, her daughter, was, you know, was with her. And when I got back to New York, I was living in New York then, on Riverside Drive, and she was just down Broadway, about 107th so. Street. Yeah. Um, and she said, you can come and see me. And I thought, you know, um, <coughs> I always thought of artists as very special people who should be left alone in peace and quiet <laughs> to be artists, even though my grandfather, my Swedish grandfather, was a painter. Um, and so, and then Alice Neal sent me a catalog of the first show done of her work in um, Georgia at the, not in Atlanta, was it in Atlanta? I don't think it was Atlanta, no, but it was I somewhere I think in Georgia. It was something yeah. at the University of Georgia, yeah. somewhere else. And she, on the inside, she dedicated and said, you know, to uh, Anne Sullivan Harris, love Alice Neal. 
and I'm so British and so, you know, um, what do you call it? Um, <laughs> British or something. Uptight. Anyway, uptight, that's right. what I needed. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't throw the word love around. I was almost embarrassed. This woman loves me? I mean, what's... <laughs> so, all right, my, my husband and I uh, um, uh, went down. We were invited to come to her house, uh, to her apartment, and see some work. So we went there, and uh, we op we, the door was opened, and there was Alice Neal seated, Nancy, her daughter, standing, daughter two chairs, her daughter, right. yeah, two chairs for William and me to sit in. And there was no sort of, would you like a cup of tea? Are you comfortable? Can we bring you some water? Or just sit down, I'm going to show you my work. And she proceeded, you know, or Nancy got it out, and we got a chronological show of her work, uh, which, I, about which I knew very little indeed. But at least she was working with a human figure, which they were still doing in the, in the 17th century, which is what I do. And my, gran <laughs> and my grandfather was a pretty good portrait painter. I have a portrait of my, myself in, at the age of seven or so, done by him in profile, looking like a Renaissance profile, because he liked Renaissance art. Um, so there you know, was Alice Neal, and she looked at my husband, who's quite tall, uh, and she said, look, I'm some, no, I'm giving him British, I'm giving her British accent. Uh, she said, you look like some strange kind of fish I would like to paint you. Uh, <laughs> and he decided if she was going to make him look like a strange sort of fish, he did not want to be painted by Alice Neal. Um, One of the few who resisted. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, so that, that was it. And, I am not easily bowled over or impressed. That's another sort of British trait, you know. We're sort of restrained in our responses to, you know, people. When I got home, I couldn't think of anybody else except Alice Neal for kind of 24, 48 hours. I mean, it was just the personality of this woman was just incredible. And with her commentary of all these things, these portraits, which are not at first sight very appealing, it's a very free brushwork. A lot of people think it's kind of ugly or strange. But somehow, in each one of these, she had caught a human character. And um, so I kind of fell in love with Alice Neal's work. And, and Alice. And Alice, yeah. I mean, she was just extraordinary. Um, and so we used to go down, and you know, she'd show me her latest thing. And I would say, oh, I think that's wonderful, but I'm not sure about that blue squiggle on the right. And she'd say, no, that's absolutely crucial to the composition. <laughs> I mean, I knew I shouldn't criticize her, but I thought I can't just say, oh, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. You know, you have to, uh, to say have an something, exchange, you know, yeah. make a contribution yeah. of some kind. Um, so, and then we, we, we had her come to dinner one time, and um, she came with her daughter, and she was very upset because I'd invited somebody else in her age group, an older, somebody you know, much older than myself, and she, why did you invite this other old person? You think only old people can get together? Oh and uh, Nancy told me that she had peed in one of the houseplants in the lobby of our apartment building before she came up. And, she um, has a reputation yeah. for peeing in and strange places. And she also places. said she'd had a dream. She'd had a dream recently, and in this dream she was me, and she was all bourgeois, and it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, I rolled with this. Oh, yeah, that was Alice. She was just... Uh, and I love the way that, uh, you know, did she... I, I was really not interesting enough for her to paint. I think she liked to paint more interesting, more curious, more strange, more bizarre, eccentric people. 
There was somebody she said was a religious maniac uh, who was always wearing a hat and walking around in the neighborhood, and she wanted to paint her because she was a strange character. And so she asked this woman, and she said, I'll have to ask God, and if God gives me permission, you can paint me. And she did paint him. God gave permission for Alice Neal to paint this person. And she also painted the Fuller Brush Salesman, who came around trying to sell her brushes and household equipment. And Alice didn't care about things like that. The house was in somewhat of a mess. And, um, but Alice Neal found out that this man had escaped the, the, um, the Holocaust and had come to this country and was thrilled to be a Fuller Brush Salesman. Mm. And I think it's one of her, I mean, if I had had the money ever to buy Alice Neal, that's one I, I would have bought because it was just, you know, there's a whole story behind each of the people that oh, she paints. You should mention if you had the money, you would have bought your own painting as well. Yeah, it was me yeah. and my, my son when he was about four months old. It was very hard to keep him still, so I was kind of gripping him like this. And, uh, uh, it's and good she, painting. It, it, it's, it's not one of her most spectacular, but it is very good. We would love to have bought it. She wanted. $20,000 in 1977, and that's a lot, even for two assistant professors to, you know, to put together. Um, and my son says that when I die, he's going to use some of his inheritance to buy it, but I don't know if he really will. <laughs> he, he, actually, he, went, he, went all, he went from New York down to Washington when the Women's Museum had a show of her work, the, and yeah. our, our, portrait, our portrait was there, right, right. and he went down just to see the portrait in, in, in in person. We had it for a while. She let us have it propped up on, my, on the grand piano. And, uh, and, and my now ex-husband said he didn't want to buy it because I, I, was, more, I more be was then more beautiful than I was in the portrait. Yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway, so, so I, know, I know, knew Alice Neal quite well and really loved her very much and wrote a couple of catalogue essays and curated that show. In, uh, for Loyola Marymount. And, and I could, it was the time I could give you another anecdote from... She had time. Where's, where's Roy? One more story. Um, Okay. It would be less Good. than that. Uh, because she, I mean, she just sort of found out about people instantly, their lives, and asked the kind of questions I was trained as a you know, well-brought-up woman not to do. And we were at the Getty, and, we were, and uh, we were going to go to the restaurant, and there was a reporter, a female reporter, who was coming along with us. And Alice Neal almost immediately found out what method of contraception this woman was using. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, geez, you know, <laughs> you don't do that. So this movie is about a very extraordinary woman who fearlessly promoted her work. Yes, I've and um, you know, part, I'm sure part of why she was so friendly to me because of the show um, was that she thought maybe she could get me to write more than catalogue essays, but even write a book about her. And I just did not feel I was competent to do that. Right. I'm not trained in American art. Um, I, I like Thomas Aikens, and, you know, some of the, but I'm, I'm just not an Americanist. And if you're going to do a serious book, I thought you had to be that. Let me just talk about the promotion. We talked about it earlier. Yeah. I, I saw Alice at a conference. We think it was in the 70s when the Women's Caucus for Art decided not to go to New Orleans because of the ERA. And New Orleans was, you know, we didn't want to support this state. So the College Art Association went to New Orleans, but the Women's Caucus held our own conference in um, Washington, D.C. And Alice was there, and there was, you know, a panel talking about things. She raised her hand from there and says, wait a minute, I want to talk to you about my work. And she came right up. She had her carousel of slides, 
And she showed them. <laughs> so that's Alice. So yeah. you, will, you will meet her. Right. The film was made by her grandson. Right, her grandson. Uh, Andrew, yes. Yeah. And um, it's, you will see some interesting father-son things going yeah. on there as well. It's it not just simply about Alice, but it will give you the flavor. Give you the flavor of, of the family. Her, her she had two sons, by the way, both yes. of them very upright and uh, uptight, well, I'd one say, one compared to Alice. One is a lawyer. Yeah, what yeah. more could you want, yeah. right? Yeah. 